Welcome to Exit 15. Woohoo! <laughs> it's been a while since I've said that to you guys. Welcome to Exit 15. And I'm so thankful that you are here. I said that earlier, but as you uh, find in your seat, there are a couple of things. One of those was a talk sheet, another one was a pencil. Uh, if you were here for the pre-show, the this or that is in there. You could probably take that this or that and put that under your chair. Uh, well, you're not, we're not going to be using that for the rest of the night. This or that. Uh, that's, that was, was kind of funny, I thought. Um, so uh, every Wednesday night as we come in and we dive into God's Word together, I'm going to give you a talk sheet, kind of some of the highlights and the points of what we're going to be talking about tonight. And we're going to be talking about this idea of a new normal. How many of you have heard that phrase before? How many of you feel like you're living in it right now, the new normal, right? I feel that way every single day, everywhere I go. It's like a new normal. I go shopping. What's normal? Like shopping, I should be able to just go get my groceries. And like now I have to go down a certain aisle. Some, like some of the shopping centers, if you haven't been out there, like one, it's a one way. And you got to go the other way. And then when you go to check out, there's like plexiglass everywhere you look, like between the people that you're, you're trying to check out. Like, and you have to wear your mask and distance everywhere. And then, oh my gosh, you go into schools, right? Schools are looking a whole lot different. They're not the same. Many of you are at home. You haven't left the house yet. Uh, maybe if you've gone to school and there's so many different protocols and things that you need to do, temperature checks and masks everywhere you go. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought this was just going to last for six weeks. And didn't y'all hear the president say that back in March? I thought this was just going to take for six weeks and we'd be over this. What is it? Six months later... And I begin to wonder, are we, is this a new normal? Is this going to be the way it's going to be? I don't know. And then we roll into church. And you come to church, you're like, okay, wait a minute. Is this the new normal where there's six feet between chairs and you have to wear your mask coming in? And I can't like hug all my friends. I can't do all those things. And is this the new normal? And I have to say, I hope it doesn't stay this way, right? I think all of you would say amen, right? Right there in your seat. You would go, amen, I hope it doesn't stay this way, because a lot of the couples in the room really want to be sitting next to each other, right? Uh, like, I can't stand this. i got to sit close to you. I can't reach you. I can't touch your hand. Uh, so, hey, trust me, we thought about all those things as we set those chairs out. Like, this is a new normal. And you think about this. Is this what God has for us in the middle of this pandemic? And how do I, should I embrace this? Should I fight against it? And in our hearts, especially in my heart, I fight against whether I should accept this, this is the way it's going to be, or is it, no, it's going to change later. Like, I'm, I, how many of you am I identifying with you? How many of you are like, amen, I'm, I'm with you. Okay, so as, as I preach, I like to have some conversations sometime, and I don't always ask rhetorical questions. So you can always, you know, respond with, amen, sure, all right. Um, hey, this, this, is, this is, I believe, what God's intended through this whole thing. Because we serve a sovereign God who is over all, and he knows this. He knows the situation. And I believe even in the midst of this situation, in the middle of this pandemic, God is not absent. That's an amen spot right there. God's not absent. And so what's my response to that? And as we dive into God's Word tonight, I'm going to reveal three different stories where people encountered Christ, and they, after they encountered Jesus, there was a new normal that was created. And there are so many different things I want to share with you. I only have so much time to do it because you think about it. Steve hasn't preached in six months. And so you would think that I am locked and loaded. Like I could preach for an hour right now, but I can't. 
So you're going to have to hold on, all right? So as you're looking at your talk sheet, I want to talk about point number one. Ready? In God's kingdom, he creates a new normal all the time. In God's kingdom, he creates a new normal all the time. And this is what I'm going to talk about. One, God never changes. The character of God is constant all the time. He never changes. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. He's omnipotent. means he's all-powerful. It's all of these things rolled in. This is who he is. He never changes. We know that about our God. We also know that we change because of our sin problem. So God never changes, but we change. How many of you battle sin on a daily basis? (laughs) I think every single day I battle sin. There's a day that where pride wells up in my heart in my life. I, you know, all this, I covet things. I look at things. I'm like, oh gosh, this is battle of sin. We, we, battle, we change. God doesn't change, but we change. And sin is a part of our world, a part of our, I feel like so many times I look at the news and I read the headlines and so much evil is all across our country. And I go, oh my gosh, oh, it doesn't have to be this way. But I recognize sin is at work in all of creation. And then we see also that we can, if God never changes, we change. We also can truly experience Christ. When we do experience Christ, we should change. Right? If the truth of God impacts our heart and our life, there has to be a change. We can't always stay the same. He stays the same. Sin distracts us. But if I hear and experience the word and the truth of God, my heart needs to change too. My life needs to change. And you know what? In the middle of all of these changes, a new normal is created. A new normal is created. The moment that you hear or experience Christ in your heart and your life, that very moment that that happens, that's the moment where a new normal is created in your heart and your life. The path of your life is changed because you have been impacted by God. And if your life is not changing and growing in your relationship with the Lord, I would begin to ask you, are you listening to the Lord? Because what He wants to do in your heart and your life is to mold you and to make you to look more like His Son, Jesus Christ. That's an amen spot there too. Amen. There's a new normal that's being created. There's a new normal that's being created. And God is at work. I'm going to say it again. He is not wasting this pandemic. He is not wasting it. And I think all of us need to hear that. That God is not absent and God is always at work. Always. Even when we quote unquote shut things down, he is still at work. And I believe he's at work even now in our hearts and our lives. John chapter 9. You have your Bible with you? John chapter 9. I want us to look at a very, uh, I preached on this several times. But I want to see, I want us to see in scripture in this moment how a blind man was impacted by Jesus. He's sitting outside of the the temple gates there. He's wanting to get into the temple, but he can't because he's blind. Jesus and the disciples walk by. As they walk by, the disciples look at the blind man and say, hey, who? (laughs) Who sinned? This man or his parents? And Jesus said, oh, no, no. This is done for the work of God in this man's life. And Jesus, I love Jesus because he's so creative. He spits on the ground. Now, to make mud out of spit, it's more than just a puh. Like, he had to 
had to bring one up from the depths, you know what I mean? And throw it down on the mud, and then, and then he takes it and puts it on the man's eyes. You're blind. And as he looks at this blind man with mud on his eyes, he says, hey, I need you to go to the pool of Siloam. I want you to go over there. I want you to wash. And when he washes his face, all of a sudden he sees color. He sees his best friends for the first time ever. He experienced the healing power of Jesus Christ in his life right there. And as he is begging all the religious leaders to say, hey, can I go worship? Can I go worship? The religious leaders and them have a conversation. And they, as the conversation goes two different times, and the second time they finally kick him out and say, no, you cannot worship here. We do not believe that what Jesus did was heal you. And this blind man, who is no longer blind anymore, this uh, seeing man, is found himself sitting on the curb outside of the temple, longing to have a relationship with God. And Jesus finds him. And that's where we pick up the story in John chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Jesus heard that they had put him out, and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he? Lord, that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him. I love that because he used to be blind. You see him, and he is the one that is talking with you right now. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus impacted this man's life physically and spiritually. Many people in our culture, in our world, experience Christ physically, but never spiritually. And I believe what God wants to do in our hearts and our lives, maybe he saves you from something, maybe he redeems something, maybe he takes something away, but our hearts and our lives are not impacted. They're not a new normal. We just kind of go, oh, thanks for the experience, Jesus. That was great. And we leave. Thinking what Jesus wants to do is to impact our hearts and our lives and to change us and to create a new normal. Another story, which is amazing, is John or Luke chapter 8. It's the story, I love this one. If you like pigs, I'm sorry. But this is a story where Jesus is walking along the road once again, and a demoniac, a guy who is possessed, comes running out of the graves. <laughs> He's hiding in the cemeteries. And he comes running up to Jesus. I know who you are. <laughs> Literally, this is Steve's translation. Uh, I know who you are. You're the son of God. Even the demons know who Jesus is. Even the demons know that. And Jesus seeing this man possessed. And Jesus says, who are you? He says, I am legion. It means I am many. And Jesus looks at this man and says, go. And he tells the evil spirits that are in this man to go into the pigs. He sees pigs off into the field, right? And he sends all the demons out into the pigs. And as the pigs are now possessed, I don't know if you've ever seen a possessed pig. I haven't either. But, you know, I'm sure they were doing wild things, right? And so these pigs start running, and they run off a cliff. And they drown in the sea. That's crazy to think. But this man who was once possessed... Jesus looks at this man, and he is completely different. A new normal was created. And we pick that up in Luke chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. He says, the people went to go see what had happened. 
And they came to Jesus and found the man who the demons had gone out sitting at the feet of Jesus. Oh, wow. Clothed and in his right mind. And they became frightened. (laughs) Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. And all the people of the country of the garrisoned and the surrounding district asked him to leave them. For they gripped with great fear, and they got into the boat and they returned. But the man whom the, the demons had gone out of was begging him that he might accompany him. But he sent him away, saying, Return to your house. Describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done in him. Man, I can't tell you, that's a, that's a radically changed life, don't you think? Jesus impacted this man's life, removing the evil spirits, removing the demons, and he became a new man. Can you imagine what his life is like now that he impacted Jesus? He used to be naked, hanging out in the cemetery, running around delusional. Then all of a sudden, Jesus heals him, and now he's in his right mind. You talk about a new normal. (laughs) You think his life is altered dramatically? Yes. Those that encounter and experience Jesus Those that experience Jesus are really changed from the inside out. This man was literally inside out. The demons were ripped out of him. And he is now walking with Jesus. And he's telling his friends and his family and the people around him, his whole community, he's telling them exactly what Jesus had done in his heart and his life. Man, I tell you, God's word is full of stories like this. Full of stories. That those that have been impacted by God, a new normal has been created. And I just want to implore you. I just want to come alongside you. I just want to love you well. I want to ask you the question. Have you truly been experiencing the love of Christ in your heart and your life? And what changes have been made because of that? Some of you maybe experienced salvation a long time ago. Maybe when you were eight years old and you're like, that was so far long ago. I don't know what I'm like back then, but now I'm, you know. But what can I tell you about maybe this morning when you got into the Word? How is your life different? How is your day different because of the time you spent with the Lord? What, maybe the gathering that we have together in this place. Praise the Lord for this place. Lord. Like this moment right here. Maybe this would make an impact in your heart and your life. And what new normal would be created because of your moment that you would have with the Lord right now? Here in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to turn that chair into an altar. And I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. But it's in this moment that God can create something absolutely new. And would you allow him to do it? Would you open your heart just a little bit? Would you do some heart work so that he can do heart work? Well, that's tweetable right there. That was really good. That was from the Holy Spirit. I I can't even remember it. It was so good. Like that, that, oh, would you do the hard work in order for God to do the heart work? H-A-R-D, hard, H-E-A-R-T, heart. Okay, some of you are writing it down. Okay, Um, but here's what I want to do, is what does a new normal look like in today's world? In the middle of a pandemic, what does a new normal look like? I'm going to give you, what is that, four different things. Ready? Here we go. Physically distant, but socially connected. I'm going to flip that upside down right there. I just did it, because some of you are like, okay, we got to be socially distant. No, we're going to be physically distant, like we are right now. But we can still be socially connected. I want you to look around at the people around you. Caleb just did it. He loves people. Like, I want you to look around at the people around you. You're next to people, all right? <laughs> you're not in your room. You're not on a screen. 
I want to encourage you with this. We can be physically disconnected, but socially connected. When we see each other and we have the opportunity to interact with each other, that is a good thing, y'all. And we shouldn't run from these kind of moments. Some of you may be thinking, it was so hard to come into the room and I can't believe there's going to be distant chairs and I can't sit by who I want to sit by. Well, you, you kind of can sit by who you want to sit by. It's just going to be a little bit of distant. We need to do the hard work in order for Christ to do the heart work. And it is hard work right now to be socially connected. Can I get an amen? amen. It's hard work. Come on, y'all. Nobody is saying, oh, this is the easiest thing I've ever done. I love it. <laughs> Nobody is saying that. And we need to do the hard work. Physically connected. Or physically distant, but socially connected. Number two, we've got to overcome our excuses. We've got to overcome them. I'm too busy. I may miss out on something else more fun. It's hard. I'm not good at digital. Have you heard some of these excuses? I'm on a screen all day for school. Why would I want to get on my life group screen call? I'm reminded of all these things and all the hard work that's, oh gosh, we could come up with a whole line of excuses, and I'm sure you could write your own excuse down on the, on the talk sheet there. But this is the hard work that all of us need to be a part of and all of this that we need to do. Because God is creating a new normal. This is going to become, hopefully, it's not going to last long, but this, we've got to endure this. We've got to do the hard work and not disconnect from each other and not disconnect more importantly to the Lord. Number three, it's hard work to stay connected. I've already talked about this. It's hard work. We're going to have to get used to that. We're going to have to accept that. It's not going to come easy. And then number four, and this is the one I want to camp out on. Godliness is my responsibility. And I'm going to say this as lovingly as I possibly can. Some of you not all of you, some of you, have placed your spiritual condition on your attendance to church. Did you hear what I just said? Some of you, not all of you, some of you, are deciding your spiritual condition on whether you love God or not based on your church attendance. And that's not healthy. It's not. It's not. And ladies and gentlemen, in the moments that we have together, whether it's corporately like this, or even in your life groups, or even in around those moments, it's, it's going to take hard work. We're going to have to do these kind of things to stay connected. We really need to work hard at that. But it's worth it, isn't it? I, gotta, I just got to believe it's worth it. That my relationship with you, your relationship with your friends, your relationship to God, the hard work is worth it. This is not a moment for us to give up and say, oh, it's just hard, I don't like it. No, it's not the moment. this is not the moment that we have. It's the moment for us to step in and go, this is what it's going to take. And I'm committed to my friends, I'm committed, committed to the Lord, I'm committed to my life group, I'm committed to Exit 15, I'm committed to my church, that I'm going to do what's necessary in order for me to stay connected. Because it's hard work. And you know what? My responsibility is to grow in godliness. That's my, that's my, it's, the church is here to come alongside you, to inspire you, to equip you, but ultimately it is your choice of whether you're going to love Jesus or not. It's your choice whether you're going to get into the Word or not. It's your choice if you're going to come and show up for your life group and get connected that way. 
It's your choice. Ultimately, it's what it is. And so my, my thought is and my hope is for all of us in the room is that we would look at our Savior and we would look at Jesus and we would surrender fully to Him and say, Jesus, no matter what you would ask for me, I'll go. Whatever it means, I'll go. Lord, if you need me to get me, get me connected in, God, in your word more, I'm going to do it. If I need to take a few more minutes of my prayer time, I'm going to do it. If I need to show up to my life group and say no to a couple of other things so that I could grow in my relationship with the Lord and have someone, a life group leader who is equipped and prepared, pouring into me, I'm going to say yes. Because those are the things that I need to do in order to grow in my relationship with the Lord. And all of us, me included, need to take responsibility for that. Godliness is my responsibility. So here's the application. I've given you those four things. I want you to kind of chew on those things. But here's the four things, I'm gonna, or actually five things. I'm going to go really quick, okay, because I need to wrap it up. First one, ready, is to decide. Decide. You need to decide right now. I'm not going to ask you to decide later. God brought you to this moment on purpose for a purpose. And I'm going to ask you to decide right now, what are you going to do? What are you going to commit to the Lord to do right now? What is that going to look like? What changes do you need to make to create a new normal in your relationship with the Lord? What is it? What are you going to do? Is it, I'm going to spend five minutes in God's Word tomorrow morning. That is a great decision. I think you should start there. But whatever the Lord is prompting in your heart right now, what do you think? If I'm sitting with the Lord, what is He telling me to do? And are you going to decide to do that? Second, it's time to submit. Once you decide what, di what direction the Lord is taking you, then I need to submit to the Lordship of Christ and allow Him to lead me and guide me. It's under what God would want to do in my heart and my life. That's what I need to be about. That's what I need to do. And to submit to His Lordship. Next is to dedicate. And that's what I'm going to call you to do here in just a minute. Is to dedicate yourself. In the Bible, it's called making a vow. It talks about how we need to make a vow before the Lord and we do everything we can to possibly stay and to commit discipline to that vow, whatever it takes. You know, there have been so many different times in my life where that has happened. One of those was in Glorieta, New Mexico when I was a sophomore in high school. I experienced the Lord in a worship service at camp. And he, and I say this respectfully, he wrecked me, all right? I was not the same dude after camp. Because at that point, I had decided and submitted and there dedicated to the Lord. I said, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, here I am, send me. And it was at that camp that sent me on a trajectory of youth ministry, and I'm here today because of that moment. That was a moment that every one of you can have, even in this time right here. So we decide, we submit, we dedicate, and now we commit. We commit. We commit resources, we commit time, we do everything we possibly can. We're going to commit everything, we're going to get accountability partners, we're going to tell a friend, hey, I'm going to be in God's Word every day, I want you to call me tomorrow morning. We're going to do those kind of things to make sure that I commit to staying true to the decision that I made before the Lord. And then lastly, we pray. Pray like crazy. And this is where we're going to end our time together. I want us to pray. And I'm going to call every one of you to pray. 
So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your, your stuff together. I want you to put it right up underneath your chair. If you had a Bible, if you have pens, chairs, I want you to just kind of put that up underneath your chair. And I want to call you to a moment of surrender. I want to call you to a moment. This is an invitation. I want you to turn your chair into an altar in your head and even in your heart. It says, God, right here, right now in the chair that I'm sitting, I want you to speak to me. Right here, right now, Jesus, you brought me to exit 15 for this moment in a gym, distance from everybody else. God, I am not going to be distanced from you right now. Turn your chair into an altar. If some of you need to pray, get on your knees. If some of you just need to sit there with your hands in your head, I'm going to give you a moment. Pray. Steve, I've never prayed before. Here's what it sounds like. Dear Jesus, that's how it starts. I commit. Dear Jesus, I give you my heart. Dear Jesus, I commit my way to you. Whatever decision you need to make right now, make it. Father, I pray for these students right now. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move in great power. Father, that students that are breaking addiction chains right now, students that are crying out to you because they're lonely, they're anxious, they're fearful, Father, I pray that you would right now move power. Oh, Jesus, move in power.